0: plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Sandwiched in between Thailand, Vietnam, China, and Cambodia, the Lao People's Democratic Republic is one of Southeast Asia's most lesser-known tourist destinations. Landlocked, Mostly mountainous, and with rivers and waterfalls nearly everywhere in between, Laos is most famous for its natural beauty and friendly, laid-back locals. For those who may have heard a bit about it before, or have traveled there previously, the mystical ancient capital of Luang Prabang, or the rubber tube river rafting party town of Bang Vieng, spring to mind. But for those who listen to the show, you already know there's much more. We've covered a number of great destinations in Laos before, but today we're going deeper, exploring lesser known Laos with Jason Rollon. I'm Trevor Ranges in Siem Reap, Cambodia. And with me again is Scott Coates. How are you doing, Scott? Where are you at today?
1: Doing good, man. I'm in the same place. I seem to always be when we record this. It's been a long time since we recorded in person. I'm in my house in Bangkok and pretty darn excited for this one. Cause you know, we had a great episode with Nick Ray last year about Lao, and then we were thinking of who we wanted to talk to and Jason popped into our minds and we both started knowing Jason through tourism for eh, probably about a decade I I think for myself and he's a very thoughtful knowledgeable person who takes a lot of photos and whatnot and yeah I'm really looking forward to having him on the show but I'm thinking Trevor when did you first kind of go to Lao, and where did you end up going?
0: Um, you know, when I moved to Bangkok in May two thousand one, and uh, you know, pretty quickly, I think within my first year there, I had gone to Laos, I had gone to Myanmar, I had gone to Cambodia, um, and all like back in in that time were not very tourist. Uh, they were you know they weren't very touristy places, and they hadn't developed much uh, even economically. Laos, particularly, okay. So, but I did go to Vientiane for the first time, and and that was interesting. Um, But then, you know, shortly thereafter, I started going up to Long Prabang, and and I passed through Vang Vieng, which is one of the most popular destinations of the two of them. But back in 2001, it was still either very difficult or expensive to get up to Long Prabang. And then once you got up there, it was still just like so chilled out. I, I just found a special place for me where I could spend extended periods of time sometimes weeks up to a month, uh, just like writing or reading or relaxing, learning to to get in touch with uh, my more spiritual side.
1: Yeah. I, I remember you spending a fair bit of time there and us talking at those times. For me, it was very early 2000. So, you know, within my first year here and I had two friends visiting from Canada and we took the slow boat from Shang Kong for two days down to Luang Prabang. And I remember, it being virtually dirt roads at that time in Luang Prabang that's changed most of them are all sealed now there we had a hairy bus ride to Vientiane and that was a pretty charming time but I've I've been there quite a number of times since certainly back in Luang Prabang lots of times Vientiane a few and then something we've talked about many many times on the show is a trip to four thousand islands and Wat Pu and areas down there so I know when we had Nick Ray on I got really switched on about Vientiane and a motorbike loop up there and, and I'm sure Jason's going to give us some other things to get excited about. What do you
0: think? Yeah, you know, before the show, I had a look at uh, our Google map from uh, Nick Ray's episode. So again, if you go to the website, talktravelasia.com, there's a link in the show notes. Actually, there's a screenshot of the Google map there, and then you can just click that. And yeah, I'm like, oh, wow. like Nick gave us a lot of really good information. Um, and again, for me, it's like you could just pick any one spot, allow us, and go there, and it would be an amazing experience. So, you know, I'm really curious to see with Jason's many years in Laos, he's definitely got some lesser known spots. And I like that format that we did with Mark in Japan and with Daniel in Thailand, uh, giving us that lesser known gems to, to those destinations. So again, check out the show notes because uh, yeah, lots of good travel advice, really. Like just having that map and a and couple of spots that these kind of guys recommend uh, is going to set you right.
1: For those of you listening that love the show, you know that uh, Trevor and I fund this ourselves. It's not really a profit-making venture, but we have lovely people named patrons who donate as little as a couple dollars a month, way up to more than that. And actually our number one patron is Austin. So Austin, this shout out is for you. Thank you so much for all your love and uh, patronage over the years. And if you'd like to become a patron, click donate on the show or go to patreon.com, search Talk Travel Asia, and you'll get something besides a warm, fuzzy feeling. You'll actually get a bonus chat episode, maybe a video in between all the other episodes. So thank you to all our patrons, particularly Austin. You're the man, Austin. Thank you. So um, let's get into it. Let's bring Jason in. Jason Rowland has worked in tourism in Southeast Asia for the past 15 years, predominantly in Thailand and Laos. His past experiences include retail management, sales and marketing, company startup and registration, account management, IT systems, and responsible tourism projects. Wow. He seems to have done it all. Proficiency in three languages, English, Thai, and lao have given Jason deeper insight into the communities in which he works and his passion for the region has contributed to a successful career in tourism. Joining us from Vientiane Laos on the interweb is Jason Roland. Hey there, Jason. Hi. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you guys? Good. Very well. Uh, it's been four years, I realized, since I saw you. And Trevor, how long since you've maybe seen Jason?
0: Jason and I have never met in person, um, but because I have done some travel writing about Laos and Jason lives there and works in tourism and may, may have even contributed to the same book, The photos laos and thailand so we've been in touch over the years virtually but have never met
1: jason we always like to start right at the beginning for people and i guess that means wondering where are you originally from and what brought you first to asia
2: oh that's a good question um i'm originally from texas um i was okay i graduated uh, with a degree in international business um, and also i studied russian which um, I never actually used, unfortunately. Um, but then I uh, ended up actually getting a job in Thailand straight out of uh, university. And I was invited over to work in a tourism company. Uh, the tourism company was based in Nakhon Phnom in Isan in Northeastern La- Thailand. And it also had a branch office in Luong Prabang, Laos. So I worked in the mm-hmm. Nakhon Phnom office for a few years and then was transferred up to Luong Prabang. And I've kind of just been around, uh, around the region ever since. Excellent.
0: Okay, so what year was that that you first went up to Laos? I didn't quite catch it. And uh, what were your kind of
2: first impressions back then? Sure. I mean, I, I came to Asia in two thousand four, um, and then I ended up moving to Laos in two thousand six. Uh, so it was it was quite a change, actually. Uh, Laos back then was even more of a distant place. Uh, internet was not very widespread. Uh, mobile phone usage was also pretty pretty shoddy in most places. Um, so it was um, a very, very interesting time. It was like moving back in time a few, a few decades.
1: So, Jason, when was it that you kind of thought, you know what, Lao is home, but more importantly, what was it about the country and its people that made you decide, yeah, you know what, I'm going to stay here? Yeah, you know
2: what, I originally actually came out to this region and I thought, oh, I'll just stay for a few years and kind of work my way around the world. But then I just sort of in love with the region and the area and sort of the the mindset and the the pace of life became really uh really attractive and by that by then i had already picked up um thai, both thai and lao and so i thought well then if i move somewhere else then i'd have to pick up another language and try to figure out how everything worked again and you know have to restart making all new connections and everything like that so i thought oh, it's just easier just to just to stay around here uh, i like the place and i i think it likes me so uh you know, I'll stick around.
0: Okay, that's pretty cool and interesting. Again, that we hadn't crossed paths, but I started traveling up to Laos for the first time in, in around two thousand four or five, and uh, considered moving there quite seriously on a couple occasions. Um, but you've been there nearly twenty years now, and so uh, and has that been working entirely in travel? Was it just you know you continued working for this company, or are you just uh, was it? I mean, Laos is obviously a place that certain people can fall in love with, and which you say you did, um, but was how about the job and the work and,
2: and travel there? Definitely, I mean, I, I have moved around to different companies uh, in my career. The company I started out with actually ended up being acquired by Buffalo Tours, um, and then I stayed with that for a few years. Then after that, I moved to actually Bangkok. That was my one stint in Bangkok, working with uh, Trails of Indochina. And then after that, I moved back to Laos, uh, Working for Kiri Travel, and then after that, um, then after that was Exo, where I was working with both of you guys.
1: So tell us uh, about your work nowadays. I know that you do something completely different, but none of our listeners probably do. What is it, Jason does now?
2: That's true. Um, I still I don't work directly in the travel industry, but I work in travel adjacent industries. Actually, right now I am the managing editor of Jump Among Lao, which is the in-flight magazine for Lao Airlines. So we produce about six issues per year, uh, and they fly on every route that Lauer Airlines flies. On top of that, my company also does um, translations. We also do marketing and media consulting. So we have a, quite a, a stable of things that kept us going, especially during COVID, when when travel was ground to a halt.
0: Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And, and again, uh, you know, both having... Some publishing and travel background is quite interesting as well, because the those in-flight magazines are important, you know, on a lot of flights. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good place to get good information if somebody can put it together. So, and about Lao Airlines, I haven't flown on in a long time, but uh.
2: yeah, I mean, it's 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 actually the the last magazine still standing in Laos. Everything else went out of print, out of, out of business. Wow, that's kind of
0: interesting as well. We definitely need to put a link to the website if you guys have a website. Again, we're talking about Lao. I think it could be possible that, uh, that it's only in print, uh, which is kind of interesting too. Why don't we step back a second for our guests who may not be familiar with the country. And uh, could you please give us like a general overview uh, from a tourist perspective, you know, like what are the main regions and or attractions that uh, someone would go to for maybe their like, real quick visit. Sure.
2: Uh, Most people visit this region, Southeast Asia, on sort of a multi-country itinerary. Uh, They would usually go to Thailand or Vietnam first, and then usually swing by through Laos on the way to another place. So usually when they would come to Laos, they would stay for anywhere between four to six days, maybe seven days. And they would usually hit at least Luang Prabang, which is in the northern part of the country. Um, It's the old royal capital, Um, It's very scenic, charming, and it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Uh, So it's got a lot of sort of French Lao colonial architecture. Uh, It's also where the the king used to be when we had one in Laos. Um, So that's sort of the highlight, the gem uh, that everyone wants to stop and see. Um, Other than that, they would also travel down um, to Vangvien, which is sort of a a riverside, very scenic, uh, sort of adventure capital. Uh, of Laos, where people can ride in uh, inner tubes and kayaks in the river, go hiking, uh, do some cycling, trekking, anything you want to do. Zip lines, hot air balloons, anything you want is there. Um, and it's also kind of got a reputation as a bit of a party town. So there are a lot of um, you know younger backpackers. It's on the backpacker circuit. Uh, then also the people usually come to v- to Vientiane, which is the capital. Um, that's sort of got a, a name for itself as being Asia's smallest capital in that you could probably walk across it in just a, just a few minutes. Um, it's not, not very huge, but it's, it's still got a lot going for it. It's easier to get around. It's sort of like a, maybe sort of a midsize uh, Asian city in a sense, but it's still the biggest one we've got.
1: So Jason, um, just a few kind of more general questions. It's a landlocked country, I know. And, but it does have the Mekong River. Like, How many people live in Laos, and how many different languages and ethnic groups, and so forth?
2: Sure, there are about 7, 7.5 million people in Laos. Most of them are, okay. and that's spread across about 50 different ethnic groups, um, at least 50 officially recognized ethnic groups. Um, and so we are sort of sandwiched in between China, in between Thailand, Myanmar, and then Vietnam and Cambodia. Um, so we have, we uh, were sort of a at crossroads throughout history of people going from one side to the other, one country to another, uh, people always pass through Laos.
0: Okay. All right, now this is a, I don't know, this is a tricky question, because again, not, not as many people have probably traveled to Laos or know as much about it as say Thailand or Vietnam, which are more familiar countries, I think, to, to most Western travelers. So like, you know, we're going to do today with you, like, lesser-known Laos. But Laos is in itself lesser-known in many ways, you know? So the lesser-known gems that, that you're going to share with us uh, we will start from, like, the north and work our way down to the south. Are these maybe some, some more classic lesser-known places? Or are these some, like, kind of uh, your just sort of favorite soft spot in your heart kind of destinations or some that uh, have just opened up and you've recently discovered?
2: Actually, they're places that... Um People that have been to Laos many times probably have heard of or would have been familiar with, but not many people go to them, at least some of them. Some of them are just opening up and others are just places that have a big soft spot in my heart.
1: Okay, so um, I don't know, how do you wanna approach this? We could work north to south or do you wanna do it randomly or what do you think? Yeah, north to south works. Let's hear one of your northern
2: gems. We'll start in the tippy top north portion of the country, um, Pongsalí. I bet nobody's been there that's mm. listening to this right now. It is in the very far north of the country. It's the most northernmost province, and it's kind of in between China and Vietnam. It's uh, Ponseli town itself is really, really interesting. It's set on top of some hill, a, a ridge of hills, and it's the old quarter of the town is actually like old Yunnanese architecture, so like from Yunnan, that this kind of architecture that doesn't exist anymore in China but it's these sort of hilly streets lined with cobblestones. Um, the people there are really not, not really ethnically Lao. They're more like, uh, they're from the Akha and the Ho, um ethnic groups. Um, the town is just really unspoiled and nearby there's some, also some great things to explore like 450 year old tea plantations. Um, and these plantations like these Akha women, they climb up to the tops of these trees just to pick the buds of the fresh leaves that are, that are blossoming out. Um, and then they're sold mostly within Laos and also to China. There are also some other villages nearby that you can get to with like four wheel drive. There's a lot of trekking opportunities to go and stay in homestays with some tribal villages. So it's really, really interesting place. Actually, and one of the coolest parts, one, let me get um, jump into the coolest part. One of the coolest parts is actually getting there. You can get there by. F- yeah,
0: that's what I, I was just about to ask. Like, I'm looking at the Google Map, and yeah. I was like, hmm, "Yeah, how
2: do you get there?" You can get there by by road, which is probably traumatic. I would recommend <laughs> I would recommend actually flying from Vientiane. The flight is on um, another airline that uses a 15 seat Cessna airplane. So you're flying like with you have the pilots right in front of you. You can see them and talk to them, and they have this panoramic view around through all the windows around you. And you can just see Laos from a different angle while you're flying to Pong Sali. It's, it's fantastic. Wow, so they have an airport right there in Pong uh, There's an airport about 45 minutes away. Uh, and then from there, you can just get a, a quick van ride over to Pong Sali town.
0: Yeah, that, that's an interesting one. I like that as a good off-the-beaten path tip. Uh, what else you got up there in the north uh, for us? In the
2: north, I would go down. I mean... Don't take this as an itinerary because I think it would be very hard to connect, yeah, sure. connect all of these dots, <laughs> at least unless you had like a good month in the country. Yeah. Another place I really like is Muang Sing, which is over on the, uh, sort of to the southwest of Pong It's in Long Nam Ta province. It's only about 15 kilometers from the Chinese border, but it's um, a town full of the Lu ethnic people. And the Liu people were actually sort of the indigenous people of Sip song Pan Na in southwestern China. And they had a sort of a huge, a large empire, uh, at least principality in that area, of like northern Thailand and, and the Shan states and in northern Laos as well, until the colonial powers came and kind of carved everything up underneath them. So uh, so Meng Sing has these great old Liu wooden houses and really nice old temples. So it's kind of cool just to go hang out. Um, it's a place that tourists don't really go to that much, but it's really famous um, in Laos because of this special dish, this special noodle soup that they have there that they make there called Khao Soi, which is the same exact word as the Khao Soi in, in Thailand, but the, to- the, the taste is totally different. Um, whereas Khao Soi in Thailand is more like a crispy yellow noodles and sort of a curry broth. Um, Khao Soi in Laos is generally a clear soup with sort of thick white noodles and then with like a dollop of like bolognese dropped right onto it. So you get this sort of savory soupy concoction and it's fantastically delicious. So uh, the place is also a market town and a lot of the tribal other tribal people come from the hills and things every morning to trade. So it's a great place to go check it out in the early mornings and you see all these different ethnic people from different groups, wearing their traditional outfits and everything.
1: Jason, we're only two into this and you've said two places that have me tremendously excited and I've heard of uh, the second one, but Fongseli I've never heard of. And I'm looking at Google Maps too and these remote roads that just peter out when they meet a river or something. So, wow, you're getting me excited. Okay, keep it going. Where's your third uh, lesser known place?
2: Next, next, it's not super lesser known. Um, it's Lunamta, actually, Lunamta town. It's just uh, the capital of that province but it's also a great trailhead for trekking in the Ha National mm-hmm. Protected Area. Um, this national park is like probably one of the first sort of ecotourism sites in Laos. Uh, the, the park itself takes up a, probably about a quarter of the province and in there you could do trekking and kayaking and camping and homestays. There are a lot of ethnic minorities that live in there. So um, if you have like three to five days or even just one or two days, you could probably still do some activities in this area.
0: Yeah, that looks and that's not too far from Wong Sing, it looks like. Um, So you could probably combine those two, I think I was going to ask you actually about uh, I see a couple of this biodiversity area and then up in the way northeast, there's another biodiversity preserve. But, uh, you know, for our listeners, this is all very mountainous, but is it still highly forested? Is there still a lot of forest in, in this part of the world?
2: Generally, yes, but there are places where encroachment's been happening and plantations have been popping up, um, especially um, producing bananas and uh, rubber, uh, unfortunately, and mostly uh, heading northward on the train.
1: Okay. Um, I like that that touches on National Park and looks like you can get out and do some cool stuff. Uh, And it's pretty far north, too. I kind of was surprised how far north it was. So... uh, What's next on the lesser list?
2: All right, next. Um, this is also another spot that was really popular on sort of the, the backpacker trail. Um, it's Mungoi. noi with ng at the beginning, so it's kind of hard for okay. most Westerners to say. So Mungoi is this little backpackery one street town. It's like it's got a dirt track just running down the middle of it. It's one street uh, just lined with you know back uh, with guest houses and restaurants and little shops and things like that. And It's a place where people would just go and hang out. There's like most guest houses just have balconies overlooking the river, so you just lay there and read a book and you know just enjoy the the, the beauty of the area around you. Um, there are some things to do nearby, like caves and some treks and things like that. But really, it's just a cool place to hang out and just sort of being you know far away from everything else, and the and the scenery has just been spectacular, just spectacular. And
0: yeah, cool. It looks like it could kind of be, to me, like a, a new Vong Vieng or something like that, or the way Vong Vieng was like back in the day.
2: Yeah, they were often people would go to both. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, then next, I would say, to combine that with, is Nong Kyo, just down, just down the stream, down down, the U River. It's a strange name, the U River. It's just because when you see it and the in the, in the landscape around it, you just say, ooh. <laughs> um, so in Nong Kyo, it's actually a really fantastic um, limestone mountains that just jut up next to the riverside. And there's some really nice uh, viewpoints you can climb up and get your Instagram shots. Um, there are also a few caves nearby to explore. And the accommodation levels here are actually pretty good. And the access by road to Long is also quite good. So there's a few sort of nicer resorts, probably three nice resorts, and also one block of floating bungalows down on the river. So if you really want to get close to the, the water, that's a place to go
1: now just before we get into more of these like as i look at google maps i mean a lot of these places are pretty damn remote and for that matter i don't even see really a road into well i see one that kind of peters out like are, are, are you able to just take public transport or do you need to hire your own car and driver i mean these places you've mentioned are they
2: doable by road Mungoy, actually the best way to do it is from Longkribang, you would take a van or a bus up to Nongkio, and then from there you would hop on a boat, and then from, by boat huh. about an hour north on the river. there Republic's wow. public boat service. So it's pretty remote. When I used to first go there, um, there wasn't even electricity. They would have electricity for like a few hours every evening by, by diesel generator. There was no telephone signal, there was nothing out there. Uh, so you just had, when, when the lights went off, everyone went to bed. Nowadays, there's mobile phone signal and 24-hour electricity and things like that. Um, is there a bowling alley that where you can drink and dance yeah. <laughs> until midnight? <laughs> not quite. Not yet. Not yet.
1: <laughs> oh, sorry. The inside joke for people listening is that in Luang Prabang, the place that serves alcohol latest is the bowling alley.
2: Yes, it's still there. All
0: right. We're getting closer to Luang Prabang. you want to pass by or do you got like a little lesser known near Luang Prabang secret spot that we could hit along the way?
2: You know, because Long Prabang is so well-known and kind of um, everyone knows about it, I'm going to maybe just skip it over this time. Because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going to focus this on Laos for maybe second or third time visitors. I want to go straight to the east, um, the Nam Nun Night Safari. This is over in the Nam Et Phu National Park, over towards Vietnam. This is a really, really interesting experience where you can actually see some nature, uh, wildlife in, in the nature. What they do is you take a boat; they drive you upstream at dusk, uh, and then they cut the engines, and then you float back down. Oh. And as you're floating back down, you have flashlights and headlights and things, and you can see all of the wildlife, the the deer and the other animals that come to the river to drink at night. So it's a really interesting experience to see nature in its in its true environment. Um, there actually even used to be some tigers in this area, but they haven't found any trace of them for some time so they probably have gone extinct in this area
1: and sorry what was the jumping off town
2: for this uh the jumping off town let me look at the map i think it's that's called what the i was wondering
0: because this collapse. is off the beaten path a bit too like what's the best way to get here yeah
2: basically you would take a bus probably from uh, lovabong yeah it's yeah, a fun one it's, too huh it's a, <laughs> it's a long ways you take the bus towards some and okay, then others oh, probably just hop off There's a place called Vantathiem or Munghiem on there. Do you see it on...
0: How many uh, of those car sickness pills do you have to take? I think that's how you should measure distance in Laos, how many car sickness pills you
2: need to take between A and B. (laughs) Because
0: these are some (laughs) curvy roads up through the mountains.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, it's a bit rough. This is uh, a fantastic list so far. So from there, I would... You can also do some trekking and things in that area too, Um, two- or three-day treks go really high up into some cloud forests. Um, it's very high elevation, so it's very, a very unique um, environment that you would get elsewhere in Laos. Next, I would continue eastward towards the Vietnam border to Sam Neua. Sam Nua itself is kind of famous for being sort of a revolutionary uh, stronghold. This is one of the few couple of communist area, areas that the, there during the Indochina Wars, during Laos's own civil war. Um, now it's just a bustling commercial hub and it's really close to Vietnam so you can find a lot of Vietnamese things in, in some of the towns. There's even been in the last decade a coffee industry, very small, but is popping up there. Um, the people are growing coffee beans in the area and so there's actually a good cafe where you can get some locally grown coffee. Outside is also about maybe an hour of town. There's an interesting place called Hin Dang, which means just like standing stones. And these are really mysterious, um, just standing slabs of rock, like thin, like, um, they look a bit like uh, surfboards, just standing, in, standing in, the, in the ground. Nobody knows really who put them there. It's some ancient um, civilization. A French wow. archaeologist studied them back in the 20s, and she thought they were some sort of burial markers or burial, burial sites. But um, there was just so little left to find that uh, nobody's been able to uncover much more than that.
1: Fascinating, Chase. This uh, is really getting me jazzed.
2: Okay, what else? Um, next, well then I would go to Vieng I know that this has been brought up before on this podcast, but um, Vieng is a really cool place. And it's got a special place in my heart. Um, it's only probably about a half hour or so from Sam So you could do it in a day tour or you could just go hang out and stay there for a night or two. It's this quaint little town surrounded by limestone mountains, but the limestone mountains have a secret that they're all full of caves. This was the main revolutionary headquarters of the Lao communists during the, during the wars. They lived in the caves so they could be protected from the American bombings. Each leader in, in the Lao revolution had their own cave. There were caves for printing presses, for hospitals, for banks. There was even a circus cave. So wow. just a whole city living in, the, in these caves. The caves are all spread apart. They're not like all connected or anything like that. So you'd have to like run outside of one and into another. But there's a visitor center right in the middle of the town where you can get get a guide to, ter, to open up the caves for you and take you around the places. But then they also have these really great audio tours. I mean, I really recommend them mm. um, where they have them in several languages and they've got like interviews with people that lived in the caves and sort of go to each spot. Then, you know, turn on the press the number and the different different uh, different interpretation comes out. Um, it's really interesting. So very well. Very recommend.
0: I'm looking at the Google Maps again, and right near the visitor center for the caves is Mrs. Putfon's Noodle Shop. Have you, is that a good spot? They got good noodles here too. Is the food different in different regions, or, or are you getting just uh, similar? It,
2: you probably get the same kind of pho that you'll get most everywhere. There, there are some little some regional variations. Um, Vientiane is actually a little unusual in that there's you. You would be very surprised, but there's actually an Indian restaurant there. Wow. Okay. Yeah, one lonely Indian guy lives mm-hmm. there and has a restaurant. Um, there's also like a Japanese um, cafe with uh, where they train deaf people. And so you go in and they have like a menu with sign language and you order your latte and your Americano using sign language with for for the deaf people. It's really interesting. This
1: is a first in Talk Travel Asia. We had such a good chat with Jason that it went way over the length for one episode. So we're actually going to break this into two. So you're going to have to wait until part two of this conversation. But Trevor, what has really jumped out and resonated with you in this first part?
0: that jason really knows a lot of cool little spots to check out and and some good tips that one that you have to fly into the first he mentioned uh i got a google map open to a different part of the the countryside yeah number one yeah use the google map check out the google maps on our show notes talktravelasia.com because uh, it really helps if you want to go do something like that the one i was looking at right now is that Muang noi uh, which was outside of Nong Kiao. So from Nong Kiao, you would get on a boat and you have to go up the river to Muang Ngoi. And uh okay, said yeah. that's like a cool kind of little hip backpacker town or something like in a beautiful area.
1: Yeah, it's amazing what is on Google Maps because when he mentioned it and I, I found it and I clicked on it, there's quite a few photos. I'm like, oh, okay, that looks really neat. And then I, I'm kind of looking at roads. I'm like, well, there's a, a road going out of it to the west, but then it just ends like, how do you get there? So it is pretty neat that that's only accessible by boat, and and I completely agree with you, Trevor. Like the places he mentioned were even way lesser known than I was kind of expecting, places I've never heard of. And you kind of mentioned the place he mentioned that you would fly about into with about a 45 minute drive. Yeah, Fong Sali. Like I know nothing about Lao north of Luang Prabang with the exception of just the fact that the train goes up there now and you can cross into China. But as I look at this Google map that you've created, you know, North of Luang Prabang is most of this first half of the episode we talked to him about and Phung and or Phung Sally that he mentioned, this looks absolutely gorgeous up there. So in my mind to fly up there and then I don't really like public transport because I get car sick, but man, if you could have your own car waiting to drive from there or a motorbike or something like, it's a, a secondary or tertiary road to just get out of there when you head out and then it looks like absolutely crazy windy roads, very close to the Chinese border once you leave and head south. So yeah, he's absolutely piqued my interest on the place you mentioned, but also uh, Fong Sali in the north and and just in the first half of this, man, there's like three or four trips that I've got to do now.
0: Yeah, and again, for people listening, if you're thinking about doing this, these are some seriously curvy, car-sicky roads, no matter what vehicle you're in. Maybe if you're driving, would probably be the best way, but uh, yeah, drive safely out there, hey? So uh, yeah, um, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, We'll be back, uh, actually, it might be a month. Should we do this at the same time next month? I think that might be the best way to do it. Um, Stay tuned anyway, and uh, we'll have part two of this episode uh, for you soon.
1: And thank you, patrons, particularly Austin. If you are not a patron, click donate on the show, become a patron, and get our special episodes in between each of the regular ones. Thanks, everyone, and see you soon. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon.
0: Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Anchor Tom and Campbell?